What? Hey everyone, this is Lefkin. And this is Beach Chapel. And you're listening to the True Tunes Podcast. Hello, I'm John J. Thompson, and on this episode of the True Tunes Podcast, I am very excited to welcome Adam Lama and a couple of other box-breaking, innovative young artists into this ongoing conversation. Adam, who creates spiritually charged indie rock out in the San Diego area under the band name Beach Chapel, had never heard of me, True Tunes, or really most of the artists we have spoken of so far. As far as he knew, he and his friends were inventing this stuff. In some cases, the term indie has become descriptive of a type of modern pop music. Beach Chapel and many of the artists in this category definitely fit into that eclectic genre. They are finding a way to craft compelling new music without the financial or distribution support of the industry. These artists are connecting directly with their audience and each other and making some incredibly exciting music in the process. I got to meet Adam in person when he showed up at the San Diego stop of the True Tunes live tour. He even agreed to do a couple of songs to kick the night off. We're gonna walk on water There is no need to swim We're gonna walk on water Just like Messiah did Brother, keep me up, keep me up Keep my eyes on yours Jesus, keep me up, keep me up, show me so much more. Help me walk to shore. Yeah, show me so much more. My faith is here with you. You. And this faith is strong and true. True. Standing with you in the ocean. I feel the waves, I feel the motions And my eyes are fixed on you, you, they're on you Adam and I talked some more and I decided that I not only wanted to have him on the show to talk about his music, but for him to help introduce us, almost like a tour guide, to the expanding underground world of spirit-filled indie rock streaming around the world right now. He immediately suggested we bring Stephen Lufkin, who goes by the artist name Lovkin, into the conversation as well. What I did not know is that Lovkin, at just 28 years old, has become sort of a linchpin in this scene. He's an artist with a heart for others, for drawing people together, for creating spiritual moments and experiences, and he has formed a new tribe in the process. Bringing him into this conversation immediately expanded it exponentially. Jealousy and pride Try to be my friend I look them in the eyes And tell them no again Hit the road, leave my sight I don't want to hear from you tonight When lured by the lust The whispers to my mind When I hear it laugh I can make you hide Hit the road, let me be Yeah. 
hearing these two talk about their emerging tribe of like-minded indie gospel troubadour comrades reminded me of another of my friends, a young pastor, songwriter, worship leader, and gatherer of artists, the cross-cultural innovator Troy Culbreth of the dynamic Cincinnati-based collective known as Cross Worship. They are a purposefully multi-ethnic gospel worship tribe that have been using sacred music to bring people together across racial, cultural, and denominational divides for nearly a decade. They have remained purposefully independent as they continue to pursue their unique music and ministry vision. First, let's take care of a little housekeeping. True Tunes is on the road. I have been to Indiana, California, Tennessee, Iowa, and Illinois so far, and we are currently looking at opportunities around the country. You can follow all of the action at truetunes.com slash events. And if you would be interested in having me come speak in your neck of the woods, drop me a line at jjt at truetunes.com and let me know. I'm also excited to be aligning with the Porchlight Network for house shows. So for house shows, look me up at porchlight.art. For schools, venues, churches, or other opportunities, just connect with me directly. One new way you can support the show is by checking out our brand new merch store at Threadless. Just head to truetunes.threadless.com to find all kinds of cool t-shirts, sweatshirts, masks, coffee cups, posters, notebooks, including two brand new rainbow designs. When you order through this Threadless store, they make the products and ship them directly to you. So get some cool stuff and put some gas in our virtual tank at the same time. Thanks. You know I love talking about history and my heroes, but today we're going to take a deep and careful listen to what is happening right now with a crop of young artists who are not waiting for anyone in the industry to give them permission to do what they feel called to do. If you've been wondering what tomorrow's contemporary gospel music, spirit-filled congregational songs, or what Jesus music sounds like right now, here you go. Because there is something brewing in the underground that could be a sweet, sweet sound for a much wider audience than just those who identify as Christians. I got Adam Lamov, Beach Chapel, and Stephen Lufkin, aka Lovkin, together in the True Tunes interview suite to talk with us about their own individual music and stories. But as you'll soon hear, they couldn't help but talk about each other and their widening circle of friends and comrades around the world. So I just went with the flow. All right, we are here in the virtual True Tunes interview suite with Lovekin and Beach Chapel, Adam Lamont. Thank you guys for being here with us on the True Tunes podcast. I'm excited. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so good to be here. I've been listening to you guys for a while, and uh, it's, in fact, I, I saw you, Stephen, um, a couple of years ago here in Nashville on a, what I remember being a very cold night. And, uh, yep. And uh, Adam, we crossed paths not too long ago when you uh, heard the podcast and said, can, can we talk? So um, let's start with, like, I guess since I, I mentioned you last, Adam, you know, why don't you kind of tell me, how did, how, did, uh, how did you kind of fall into this conversation, this whole world of, of music and, 
And how did you even find out about us? <laughs> so I follow Natalie Bergman on socials, and then she did a repost oh, yeah. of True Tunes. And then I was like, what is True Tunes? And we have friends that are doing similar uh, podcasts, kind of highlighting artists who are Christians. And Stephen, um, when, when I went and saw that showcase over at Gray Matters, you had been working with the Jars of Clay guys. They were producing something for you. Yeah, that was back in, uh, towards the end of 2018. And um, so Matt, Matt Odemark with, uh, with Jars, has been a, just an awesome mentor and friend for many years, all the way back to 20, I think the first time I came out to Nashville and uh, to work with him maybe it was 2012 so this was long before starting and having any vision for my lovekin project which is something that i've been doing now you know as a singer songwriter artist recording artist since 2018 and when when you came out john um yeah it was a showcase for some some tunes i was in the middle of a tour so yeah back in those days and still up to this day i mean i i you know drive around the country and and at that time it was in my 1999 toyota minivan driving around the country and uh freezing my butt off in 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 the east coast in november and trying to play shows and play nights wherever i could you know and um i think for me you know as an artist i just love to write and create honest music and i love jesus and you know i love making art that doesn't shy away from you know the honesty and the truth of you know the hardships of life and the realities of life and at the same time you know being able to recognize and implement into the music sort of the higher reality that we live by that high reality of christ and the truth of the hope that we have in him and so you know i i love to see my music relatable to christians and non-christians alike um though i know that a lot of my music um you know is is to encourage christians and and to keep people in a place of hope so tell me about your your background you you kind of found a guitar in a closet as a kid and got it out and you had a big family and they were your audience and you just started making music and then had a four-track recorder and started experimenting so i don't i wasn't born you know with all this natural talent for music and singing and all this stuff you know i really it really had to work at it and it was back in those days of picking up a guitar and um, and just putting in the work of practicing and, and spending years through, you know, high school and just, I guess I had this thought in my mind, like, I, or just this sort of like crazy ability to kind of sit down and focus for hours at a time practicing. And I think that so much of music and writing music and, and creating music, it comes down to, um, you know, the discipline of it and I try to tell people that too that I you know young artists and stuff that I find um, that I come across is that the reality is you'll never be able to escape just the the discipline of having to sit down and like learn or take some risks going out and and taking a chance on on your creativity and I think about this often how I feel like there are so many moments along the way in my journey where I just feel like the Lord was kind of blinding me to like how bad I truly was, you know, at any given moment. Uh, and, and I think it's funny because it allowed me to sort of like be okay in my skin and be okay with where I was in the process and keep going forward. And I imagine that if I had been more discouraged or more aware of how things sounded at times, then maybe I would have given up, but um, I'm still here, you know? And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I think 
my my buddy he was he was handing over to me uh in ninth grade you know a little Tascam you know recorder and and I and I had eight tracks and no computer and I just kind of had to learn how to overdub and and write songs and record those songs and just working at that you know um kind of brought me to to where I am and I'm 28 right now but I mean it took me really until 24 to gain the kind of vision for what I'm doing now and and a lot of that really just came through you know a hard season do you think that that personal struggle was why spiritual music why the why the spiritual angle of music was so important to you as opposed to maybe just making music for the fun of making music you know i think so and i and i also will say this um you know i was making music for a long time through high school and i you know i didn't know what it meant to submit that gift and that music over to the lord and so for me it was a lot of like I guess I felt like I've always had this need to know the bigger picture uh, meaning behind why I do what I do. And and I think that like realizing that if I'm just making music for the sake of people, you know, looking at me and watching me and, and it just goes that far, you know, sort of just to sort of be like a rock star or something like it, it's something that just never really felt right about that for me. I, you know, not that that's all entirely wrong. I just think that. For me, I needed that missing element, which I found in Christ, which was when I submit my music to him and I do it and I can make music, I can use my passion and do it in a way that like lifts up the name that's greater than mine, <laughs> way greater than mine, you know, like far superior to any name, any other name in the universe, you know, and that's the name of Jesus Christ. And so like, I can't think of a better, you know, purpose or thing to reason to want to you know why you want to make music and and who you want to uh you know elevate right. in that process adam tell me about your uh your pathway so far how did you find yourself uh in this space your music certainly doesn't sound like someone who grew up listening to church music i did grow up listening to a lot of church music really? but i was always bored <laughs> okay good answer with it. <laughs> you want to find something a little bit more interesting yeah i think i learned in the church i learned how to play drums i wasn't stoked i didn't have too much fun with it but it was like fun to actually get to to sit on a stage and 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 play with a with a band the songs are okay. So at what point did you decide to become a songwriter and an artist and really focus on that beyond just playing drums on a platform at church? I picked up the guitar probably late, later than Steven would have, but like uh, late high school, I started playing guitar and I took it really seriously. Like it'd be four to five hours a day just learning whatever I could about guitar uh, on YouTube and um, just asking friends that were really good guitar players that I'd been playing drums for. I started writing songs uh, like 16, 17, had a band. It was like a alternative rock band. We'd play shows and uh, yeah, I never really thought that the church stuff could ever mesh with alternative rock. And uh, I kind of, in my head for a long time, it w I just didn't think it was possible. And so I just never did it. Uh, and then eventually I started writing music that was alternative and was about Jesus. 
and that's how I met Steven. Oh, really? So, <laughs> yeah. So how did you guys, because you, you live in San Diego, Adam, and Steven, you're in Phoenix, right? Yeah. So how did you guys connect over doing church music from so far away? I started Beach Chapel in 2019. I started writing music. 2018. Like end of 2018. I was listening to, to Steven's stuff and I was sending it to friends. And then uh, they would like have him over at house house shows. He was doing a house show circuit. And uh, we just never crossed paths. And eventually we got to jump on a phone call. And uh, I just drove over to Steven's house. He had a house show going on. And uh, yeah, we've been we've been buds since. So, wow. And and so Stephen, at that point, you had been doing music for a while before you even recorded. So this kid from San Diego, who's been in rock bands, alternative bands, just starts doing this Beach Chapel thing, and calls you kind of out of thin air. Tell me about that. And is this normal? Like in your in your scene, are you guys kind of constantly hearing from people around the country that are doing the same thing? Is that how it works? 100 <laughs> percent that's how it works really it's uh it was very no it was it was nothing about it was abnormal honestly like it's amazing the uh the community of all of these artists sort of on the what we've dubbed the term sort of at times sort of the indie side uh basically just kind of the underground side of what was happening in christian music and, and i think that through spotify and um I mean, mainly through Spotify for me, uh, it was such a great way of, of like digging deep and like figuring out who these artists were that were like making these little EPs or putting these singles out that were like, it was like, oh, these people like are Christians, but they're making some like insane music, you know, like amazing, amazing stuff. And uh, I definitely felt that way, you know, about Beach Chapel. And I mean, Adam's Adam is like one of the greatest songwriters that I that I've ever met. Honestly, uh, I'm, not, I'm not even like trying to flatter him right now. I really, honestly mean yeah, it. Yeah, you are. <laughs> no, no, I'm not, <laughs> bro. Um, he he's incredible, and um, and so so much. I got to cut you off real quick, Stephen. Yeah, I got to cut you off real quick. <laughs> there was a point we were hanging out. This is a cool thing too, John. Is we're all friends, right? Like we love each other, and uh, from what I saw at the True Tunes hangout in Newport was like those guys were all friends they loved each other they were yelling across the room about times they had when they were our age and right. I just think that that's something that that God really cares about is like the community aspect it's not about trying to one-up each other or trying to be bigger than each other like what yes. I've gained most from from writing this music is friendships I I don't really care about the songs comparably and uh, mm. yeah. what's exciting for me to hear in this Artists need some sense of community, I think, to, to really thrive. They need feedback and iron sharpening iron and encouragement and collaboration. And what we're often hearing right now is how Spotify and streaming is killing the creative community because it has decimated income. Like it's made it really hard to make a living because people aren't buying music the way they used to. But what you're talking about is kind of revealing this potential silver lining in terms of the the networking because you were able to discover love can because of streaming services and then somehow find him and actually contact him you're just reaching out as potential friends and actually able to listen to each other's music and then genuine relationships can 
can form. And, you know, you guys are, are able to take advantage of these tools and do something with it that we just couldn't do. Oh man, that's so true. Yeah. And I mean, even, uh, Steven has taken it to a different level too, where he's, he started one big family and one big family initially, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Steven, but initially it was just a, uh, like a, like a tour of sorts for independent artists who are Christians. Uh, and then it's become the network itself recently, especially on, we've, he's been using discord. How many artists are on there, Steven? Uh, right. Well, right now we, there's like pushing 160 from all over the world, Whoa. you know? Wow. Yeah. And, and it did. It, I mean, that whole, I think the whole conversation of community and, you know, kind of what we're talking about here, it's, it is, it's so, so important. And so, yeah, for something that back in May, 2019 began as this thought that I had one day, you know, as I had spent the previous year and a half driving across the country completely alone as an artist, you know, feeling like I'm trying to play my songs and, and make it happen. And, and at the same time, feeling like it was so much of it is ministry as well, just kind of getting to the middle of a tour uh, two weeks into, you know, being being away from home for a month and feeling completely discouraged and down in the dumps and feeling alone and feeling like, you know, I, I, I had a moment in Sacramento where I was trying to sleep in my van in the parking lot in, in the winter and uh, and it was freezing cold and my buddy sent me some money to go uh, get a get a hotel, get a Motel 6 uh, up the road off the highway and I was just feeling really low and I was literally it was like a down on my knees sort of like pray to God moment of like Jesus you know I know that you want me to do this but if we're gonna do this like it has to look different like this has to look different and and lo and behold within like literally two months I had ditched the van that could only uh, seat six people and I bought a 15 passenger van totally on faith to fit 12 artists driving up the west coast together and sharing in a in a tour and sharing in, in an experience and sharing in nights of people all playing together and and encouraging each other and so so many gifted people who you know there was no one-upping one another it was wow we see that the common the commonality here is that you know we're working for the king you know and we're going to celebrate, call out the gold of everybody's giftings here. And there's no room for jealousy and there's no room for unhealthy competition. Like, what does it look like to do this in the church, you know, and to do this as artists, as creatives together? It became a catalyst of community for, for many, many artists. Father, give me faith, give me faith. I am your kid always. are a glimpse of you. also interesting your your music whether we're talking about lovekin or beach chapel honestly even a little bit more just doesn't sound to me like congregational sacred music like the stuff you think you're going to sing along with at at church tell me about your thinking about christian music and worship music and where you guys fit into that and some of your thinking about about how this fits into your generation yeah, Adam, you go. We might we might have slightly different thoughts on that, but you go, Adam. 
I think uh, even the people that were on those initial tours are now mixing it up. So they have albums coming out that have love songs on them that have kind of what Amy Grant, what Amy Grant did back in the day when she had some pop hits, but she also had a lot of truth in, in those albums. They were just, they were working hand in hand. And, um, I've just been seeing that from, you know, Montel fish is, um, definitely like appealing to tons of non-Christians, but on the same album, he'll have a song that's just very truthful and about, about the Lord. Um, and about his reverence for the Lord. And then Taylor Armstrong, same thing. He's putting out a bunch of pop hits, but has just some gorgeous music about his heart for the Lord. And uh, Mark Barlow today just put out a, a Hymns and Soul. And uh, the top song on uh, on the list for uh, New Music Friday Christian is not is not a song about God, I don't think. I think it's a, it's a love song about a girl. Um, which is really awesome to see that happening. And all those guys were on this tour that Steven put together. And now, you know, they're the kind of becoming the face of Spotify Christian. I think it's going to happen more and more. I think we we're not wrong. We're just early. And I think that's how past generations felt about, uh, just where Christian music was headed and the generations before that. And, and so on. Had no business falling in love with you. This poem's our story. Paused unless we resume. I just want a faithful heart. of how beautiful you are But when it comes down to the wire And love's burning fire Only lasts me till morning light We've been talking a lot about Jesus music and the difference between the Jesus movement and Jesus music and what became Christian music when it was an industry. But then once Christian music became a separate industry and Christians kind of went to their own well, Christian artists, by and large, with a few exceptions, started to kind of get ushered that direction and they no longer had the ability to speak into the normal culture (laughs) so they're in order for people to hear that stuff they had to kind of go to a separate well it seemed that that alternate culture that evolved was very effective at creating alternative product for christians but not very effective at creating art for the whole world to possibly encounter spiritual thought and maybe have an influence and that a lot of younger people have said, I'm not really interested in that. Like, I just kind of want to make music for everybody. But what's kind of interesting about what you're describing with this indie scene is it's kind of going against that trend because you've got a lot of young people who are leading by making very specifically what I would call sacred music. I mean, they're, they're very forward about the spiritual intentions of that music. Would you say that the bulk of that is is about creating music that is testimonial, people talking about what God's doing in their life? Is it 
about creating music for people to sing with, actually corporately or congregationally? Uh, or is it just kind of a, they're just doing it. They're not thinking through it that much. But, you know, what do you think is behind this, this sacred music that your generation is putting out in this indie scene? I'll put that one to Stephen. It's a mix of all three of the things that you just mentioned. And I, and I think that at the, at the end of the day, it's, it's artist-specific. You know, it, it is still artist-specific in, in the sense of every artist has to define for themselves, you know, the why of why they do what they do, why they create uh, what they create and what's important to them about about that. And I know for some artists, there is more of that drive that's been put inside of them to 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 do sort of more of a hybrid and there is that passion to uh to create music that is reaching non-christians when we create testimonies we have our, a testimony of how we came to know the lord we have testimonies every day that we have testimonies every week about what god is doing you know and um and those are opportunities those are things to write about and and i think that if we are christians if we walk with Jesus, and we're creating art, I think it's inevitable that that spiritual conversation is going to exude into what we create and and out and pour out of it. The quote-unquote Christian music industry, we got things boxed in, and then, you know, things were being replicated and kind of produced to feed a certain consumer, and anything outside of that box that wasn't going to, you know, feed that uh, specific consumer was, wasn't accepted. And, and I think that with the ability for anybody to just create and record music right now i'm talking like get an interface for you know a hundred dollars and a little or a little usb mic and garage band and you could sit at your you know college dorm room and create music and record music and then go and put it on DistroKid or TuneCore or cd baby and all of a sudden get it out to the whole world and and i think that we're seeing more artists like this there's more of an accessibility to share your voice and I think a lot of these artists that we're seeing in this scene and this community at least started out that way where it was just very simply recording their themselves recording their heart to God and and not feeling like it had to be anything or sound like anything that they heard because they weren't working with a label and they could just kind of put it out there and lo and behold here we've seen now you know years into this oh there are people out there who really resonate with that and they really resonate with that uh those sounds and the sort of organic nature to all of it you know lately my faith been making me crazy i'm breaking talk to me gentle my mental not feeling stable i need you right now to save me it's true i've been falling down in the middle come lift me up just a little come be my strength in the mental of storm god don't make one of the things that we do on the show here is uh, the True Tunes jukebox. And so I have invited you guys to load her up this time with some records from some of your friends and some of the artists that are in this indie sacred music scene that's kind of in the underground right now so that you kind of be tour guides for us through this scene. You guys ready for the, the jukebox? Ooh. Does that sound good? Oh, so yes. stoked. So uh, who wants to go first? And, uh, and I got one. I got okay, one. Okay, Stephen, what's, what's gonna, okay. what are we going to hear first we, here? We, we got to roll up uh, You Are Fullness. 
Young Oceans. They've been in a scene in the scene for you know a bit longer than Adam and I, but they, I mean, step st- stayed true to some insanely amazing music. For me, it's authentic. It sounds nothing like mainstream radio CCM, but it sounds very sonically inspiring and also lyrically it stays really focused on christ while also creating cutting edge songs and sounds Adam, your turn. Belly on up to the jukebox. What are we, what are we going to hear? Though We Cannot See You by Love Light. I love the synthesis in the production. I think that the rhythmic section is so cool, and I just love the vocal performance. Just everything about this song is awesome. Stephen, back to you. I'm going to go with Proud by Taylor Armstrong off of his self-titled album. Taylor Armstrong is not only just an insanely awesome friend, but also such a gifted songwriter and vocalist. Um, There's such an honesty and a tenderness to his voice and to his playing. And this song is, it's about the father's heart and um, how it rejoices over us but it's done in just such a refreshing sort of way all of the tragedies and all of the pain and grief all of the trying to make ends meet you may need All of the 
So now, back to you, Adam. Your second choice. What do you got for us? I'm going to go with uh, Never Knew by uh, Them Parents. Uh, it's just a husband and wife duo. And just, uh, man, just some, some good melodies coming out of this group. I just, I just love it. I love it. So mm. good. You came and showed me who I was born to be. Said, son, don't worry, you can walk upon these seas. You can try to reason, faith is belief, and I know. Yes, I know. Trust if you're sinking, my hand is reaching for yours. All right, back to you, Stephen. What do you got? You got another one for us? Uh, I'm going to go with Break of Dawn by Antoine Bradford. Antoine is just such a kind, kind-hearted, beautiful soul. His latest album, Light Will Find You, that's where this song comes from. And um, I love this song in particular because it features also Montel Fish, which is really cool. And um, the two of them together is just an awesome, awesome combo. And the song is so vibey. I mean, it's just like, it's inspiring to me sonically. And um, and the entire album is amazing. What I'm saying, Lord, you were my defender in the rain. Through the pain and the time, so the things I can't change. I got you all on my mind. You're the one I want to find. You're the one I want to see. I've been going through the motions. Feeling all these deep emotions But you're the one to keep my soul straight floating I'm straight open, I see the light of day So I bow my oh, The light, the light, the light of the world Is shining, shining all around oh, The light, the light, the light That reminds me of one I'm going to interject. This is from a project that came out earlier this year that's a, a joint venture project between Worship Mob and Cross Worship. It's a song called 7-7, seven, seven, um, cool. Not Gonna Stop. Oh, 
Liz Vice and uh, Paul Zach, their new their new uh, EP is really cool. Do you have a favorite song off that one? I think it was the um, Eternal Light, really really good one off that EP. So yeah. Eternal light, shine in my heart, shine in my heart, and drive the dark away. Eternal hope, lift up my You got another one, Adam, for us? Yeah, let's do uh, Dead Horse, Andy Squires. Yeah, he's super cool. I mean, he's a really, uh, he's a wordsmith, I think. And uh, I feel insecure when (laughs) when I listen to his songs (laughs) as a writer. Really awesome. So he's really grown in in that regard, but that's just really cool. else you guys i really have been digging wade walker he has a track called golden hour and he has a very cool like americana type soft uh kind of breathy vocals but that particular song i feel like is lyrically it just it's really convicting and in in a really very refreshing way um and and i think it's a great track so definitely we should get this one in here for sure I should be hungry to hear you 
out back with the cricket singing Turns out you're really not silent I think that uh, New Day by John Mark Bantana and it's featuring Mark Barlow. That song, the melody is so catchy. Um, and I, I think that song is, uh, is a great example of what we were talking about earlier, um, of just a song that can kind of go into the, uh, the secular side of things and it could be cherished and loved by, like, uh, by Christians as well. You've convinced me of the safety of your heart Barked into my trauma and gave me hope again You're holding flowers out and I can see my future Filled with all your rock alternative band that played in churches and then played in clubs and but this is a song called as i am that i think you guys will love and then it'll hopefully connect you with some of your genealogy that you don't even know about that there have been artists doing what you're doing for a long time uh artists that were independent that were coloring way outside the lines um that you are really kind of walking in the footsteps of many many people um and so uh we'll close out the jukebox with this violet burning track um and there's a lot of great violet burning tracks um but uh, i want to close it out with this one and then uh also let people know we have all kind of worked together you two and, and myself and bruce has kicked in on it and we've asked for a couple other people to help on a playlist that has a hundred songs on it <laughs> that is um, mostly you guys and your friends with a handful of things that uh, are from my generation's alternative indie sacred That's music awesome. scene. And we will Come update on. it from time to time as well. So we'll keep adding music 
to that page. So if people want to know, where can I find music like this? This playlist will exist there and we will refresh it from time to time. So thank you guys for, for uh, sidling up to the True Tunes jukebox. Sometimes I cry. Sometimes I cry. The world's dark torn apart at the want to get a slightly different perspective on the indie worship and gospel experience and scene from my friend, Pastor Troy Culbreth of Cross Worship in Cincinnati, Ohio. Troy is a songwriter and artist, to be sure. He's a builder of community, pulling people together across very real divisions and divides, and he has seen music do some miraculous things. I don't need to try and Troy Culbreth of Cross Worship. Man, thank you for stopping in at the True Tunes podcast. It is great to see your face, man. I miss you. Man, it's great to see you too, man. It seems like it's been a while. We're talking about indie spiritual music or, or you know, artists that have this kind of sacred mission that they're on with their music, but they're doing it on their own in community networking around the world and in their local towns, but without the benefit of the music industry and um, that kind of stuff. And I immediately thought of you guys there in Cincinnati and uh, what you've done there in Cincinnati, as well as what you've done partnering with people around the the rest of the country. And so tell me real quick, just kind of give me the short uh, 
cross-worship story. Tell me about how things came together for you and, and uh, you know, what cross-worship is. Ooh, how to shorten that story. Um, <laughs> about nine years ago, eight years ago, the Lord kind of took me on a journey, just a spiritual journey on trying to figure out like what my purpose is and what um, I believe my mandate is. And I was leading worship. I was I was actually teaching third grade at the time, um, <laughs> working on my doctorate. And um, I felt like I was just kind of just all over the place. And so I was like, well, God, I need you to to show me something. I, I need uh, I need to know specifically what you want me to do. And so, of course, like most Christians do, when we want to hear God, we start going to conventions and conferences. <laughs> <laughs> this was the conference I went to. Um, it was actually a Jesus Culture Conference, and it was oh, really man. a live recording. Right. You were basically hearing speakers and then big arena rock worship yeah. concerts at night. 18,000 people were there. I, I had to check the numbers. It was 18,000 people there. But long This was in Chicago, right? Chicago, yeah. I think yeah. 2011. I mean, it was just crazy. And we had this big glory moment in this arena in Chicago. And... um it was one of the few times where I, I, I felt like I heard God audibly. Um, I had my eyes closed. I was crying and snotting and all that good stuff, you know, you know, the good worship, worship, goosebumps. I had all that. And then out of nowhere, I heard God say, hey, just open your eyes. I opened my eyes. I looked down and uh, God said, how many people in the room look like you? And man, I can count maybe 20, really, mm. I, maybe 30. I give him a good 30 of african-american male worshipers in the room and um god was like man i love what's going on here i love all this but my problem is is that all of my children aren't here and so um he said i need you to go home and i need you to go do something about it and so i got home i kept praying and i got got a nudge in my heart to start a ministry called cross worship that literally our vision is to cross over Everything that separates us from worshiping together, we're going to intentionally cross that over. Color boundaries, denominational boundaries, locational boundaries, whatever that is, uh, genre boundaries. <laughs> so what did you do to overcome those obstacles? So um, I said, man, how, do I, how am I going to gather these people in one room to worship God as one, to be a bridge? Um, so I just wrote a letter. I wrote a letter to as many pastors as I can find in the city. Um, it was an email that just said, Hey, do you believe that Jesus really lives? He really died, really rose from the grave so that our sins may be forgiven. If you believe that, uh, if that answer is yes, are you willing to worship with other people who believe in the same thing? And if so, meet me at this date <laughs> at this church and let's talk about it. Um, and then about 30 pastors showed up and said, man, this, this few sentence email moved me. Hmm. And I'm here and I want to, what's your plan? I had no plan, <laughs> no plan. I didn't even have coffee. I, I think it was going to be like, I thought it was going to be like two or three pastors show up. But it was like 30 and I was like, okay, I'm not prepared for this meeting. But I said, so let's just talk. Can we just put a day on a calendar where you bring all of your people? I'll bring all of my people. We all just come and we're just going to put our worship teams together, our worship bands together, uh, our worship leaders and our intercessory prayer people. And we're just going to pray in worship for two, two and a half hours. Is that okay? Everybody said yes. And then the night with the date we had, I was still lacking faith. I'm like, ah, it's going to be like maybe 50, 60 folks show up. 
it was over five, six hundred people showed up in this room wow. <laughs> to That's worship. Amazing. And we spent two it was supposed to be two hours. We spent like three hours there just in the presence of the Lord. And um Did you do something musically that intentionally made sense aesthetically to people that came from white worship tradition, black worship tradition, mm-hmm. Hispanic worship tradition. Like what did you do on that level to bridge so, those guys? Since I figured there was going to be a lot of people coming from different backgrounds and different cultures, I gathered each one of their main worship leaders um, and their uh, MDs, their band directors. We were all in the room. I said, okay, what songs are speaking to your house? So um, everybody threw some songs out. So there were some gospel songs. There were some worship band songs. There were some CCM things. And we just put them all together. And and uh, we made an announcement at the beginning. We said, hey, 80% of the music that you hear tonight, you're probably going to love. 20%, you're probably, because it's not your style, it's not your genre, you're probably not going to like it. But just listen. Um, and I said, but your 20% is a part of some of, of the person sitting next to you. They're 80. So if we can just do that together, it'd be cool. So we had one rehearsal um, beforehand and said, OK, you play keys, you do this, you do this. And let's just let's just do these songs together and see what happens. Yeah. And and it was just a epic night. So you got gospel, CCM, worship, band, rock, all that. And we just stayed, we sang some hymns too. So it was, it was just an awesome night. And that kind of goes right to the heart of that question about what is worship supposed to be anyway? Is it a product that we're there to buy and be entertained by? Or is it an activity that we're supposed to be engaged in? You know, right, and right. so you, you kind of became a group like this, this group of worship leaders started to do this regularly and you become yeah. sort of an indie worship group yourselves and it's made up of worship leaders from all these different churches so that yeah. how did that happen it was not planned we did not want to be a band i wasn't looking to start a band <laughs> I, I just wasn't i had a whole bunch going on and uh but we said hey we're going to do these worship nights every quarter so we started doing these worship nights and then we put a few things up on youtube and um a church in cincinnati reaches out to us and um the youth worship pastor was like hey Man, I was on YouTube and I was just like, man, who are these people in Cincinnati with these worship leaders from all around? Like, he's like, dude, it'd be awesome if you guys can lead our 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 worship, uh, our youth worship team. So we became the youth worship band and started doing their their uh, high school and middle school ministry events. Um, and then as we started doing these things, then camps, they started doing these youth camps and we got asked to lead worship for the whole week for both their middle school and then their high school. And we had been doing, we did that like two, three years in a row. And on the fourth year, um, their youth pastor had a just awesome idea. Like, Hey, we're cap, we're capturing, we're multi-tracking. We believe that God's just going to do something. So, and we want to put it out. And so we just had this ep- these epic nights of worship. And one night uh, we sang the song, So Will I. Right. And um, my, my, my cousin, uh, Osby Berry, led, it, led that song that night. And the room just kind of flipped upside down. Like these, yeah. these high school students just, I mean, they just totally jumped all the way in with the song. And we felt the weight of God's glory upon us. And uh, I said, man, we get, we're, we're going to throw that up on YouTube. We threw it up on YouTube, 
it sat on YouTube for, with like 82 views <laughs> for like four <laughs> months. Right. And then out of nowhere, the, so mind you, this camp was in summer. And so it was December, it was uh, December 23rd, 24th. It was right before Christmas. Um, I was in a Christmas show. Um, and I my phone just starts blowing up like, dude, 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 check YouTube, check YouTube, check YouTube. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? It was like two million views. I said, what? What happened here? And then by the end of the next week, it was like seven million. I'm like, what? wait, wait, right. <laughs> wait. So it just kept climbing and God just put his hand on it. That was a predominantly white youth group, right? Absolutely. Yes. And and it's all it reminds me of what I've heard happened when Motown came out yeah. and in the 60s all of a sudden white suburban kids started to get a taste of soul music but it was presented to them in a way that was accessible and yeah. they were like what have we been missing out on oh my goodness and they they loved it but music has been crossing cultures for half a century yeah. and the young people now when they're listening to top 40 if they're listening to the radio if they're l looking at the top playlists on Spotify it's more integrated than ever. Even country music has yeah. elements of African-American tradition infiltrating it. Yeah. But worship music is still divided between Very. white and black. Even if there's African-American faces in some of the worship music, it sounds white. But you were simply integrating music in a way that all these kids were used to hearing. Because this is the kind of music that they're listening to. And so it, it seemed to me that you were giving them access to something that was actually their heart language musically. Most definitely. We, we, with that specifically that song, you know, the, the, the worship coordinator at the time came up to us and was like, Hey, um, we kind of needed to be less charismatic as possible. We kind of <laughs> was charismatic, uh, like a euphemism at that point for less black. It, yes. Yes. Okay. That's how, that's how I took it. Yeah. He was basically saying kind of, Whiten it, it up down. a little bit, like tone it down, that, that, the tone trills, it down. The, the crazy answer. And the, his reasoning was, hey, because we really want people to, this this song has a lot of words. Yeah, and um, we really want the kids to like be able to sing the words. And um, sometimes you guys can get a little carried away <laughs> with the vocal acrobatics, <laughs> acrobatics right, right, right. And, and the riffs in the songs and stuff. And so um, it was just a quick conversation, and uh, me and Osby started talking, and Osby was kind of he was kind of upset at the comment. And I said, "Man, just go out there and be led. However you will lead this song at your church, do it." They invited us here, and they invited right. us here for a reason. Right. So um, I understand it. Uh, you honor honor the house, but do sing it how you would sing it. And I told our our band director uh, Darius, "Dude, play the song. How you gonna play it?" Lead the band. Right. How you gonna do it, man? We we just gonna follow. We're gonna have a great time. Don't box in what we do because people don't understand. And Osby just went out there and let loose. So if you watch it, you can see why he was crying because he was just like, man, I I felt like I was shut down hmm. going out there. But he just had this big release moment. Like, no, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wholeheartedly just give this whole song over to the Lord and like give my whole self into it. Too. 
So you said that by the time it got to about 2 million views, you're like, something's going on here. It's over 50 million views now. So, <laughs> and, and, uh, the, the industry comes calling and this is where I want to bring this into this conversation about indie, because obviously that's a Hillsong song, but you guys are indie artists here yeah. and you had a major label talking to you. You had a publisher. Um, what happened? Like what, why is it that, uh, cross worship is still in the indie scene <laughs> Woo. so we learned a lot about the industry and you're right it it was a lot and so um we had an opportunity to possibly be signed as artists with a major label so we started going into conversations and got lawyers and long story short it was a lot of requests that came about said hey well if we're going to sign you then we need you guys to look like a band so officially make this a band <laughs> and i'm like well no we're a community yeah i hear that but we want to be we want to sign a band okay right. okay well we're not set up our infrastructure isn't set up like that like um so it was like okay we'll set this up as a band and then conversation ended up turning to toward the end of the relationship turning to well we would love to sign you but we would like um you to focus primarily on gospel meaning and gospel music, music the gospel the side genre. of the industry right yeah we want right. you to focus on the gospel side of things so we know you're writing and when you write you guys are writing some gospel stuff and some ccm stuff and some i'm like yeah because we're a community. it's your own thing it's your yeah. own flavor it's not yeah right this is just a a, a pot of believers from everywhere and right. so you put a gospel artist a ccm artist a worship leader of a small local church of 40 people, you put them in a room, they're going to write something that 
sounds like at, like all of their backgrounds, and that's what right. we do. Um, and they didn't really like that. And I, to be t- completely transparent, because like, I think we got to acknowledge something here, is that mm-hmm. I was walking through that with you guys. Like yeah. I was, I was an advisor. You know, I was kind of helping. You know as best I could, uh, you know, in, in some sort of capacity with you. And to be fair, people in the industry were saying very transparently as well, look, we can do this successfully if it can fit into this bucket or this bucket. Yeah. But you guys are doing something completely different and we just aren't equipped to think outside of those buckets. Yeah. So tell me about your decision and, and what kind of things went into the decision to pass on a major label offer. Yeah. How do you how do you make that decision as a team? And then how do you proceed to stay and function as an independent outfit now? We didn't feel any negative conversation from the label. There right. was no negativity. That's not the vision. And right. so um John, when you reached out to us and was like, hey we're we're really at an ultimatum type of situation. <laughs> Either you uh, take this deal and you get put with some of the dopest producers in the gospel industry, and you write with some of the dope, dopest gospel artists, and you just launch in this trajectory. Um, and I remember one of the A and R guys was like, "If you go this route, just do about four records, right. <laughs> four or five right. records, and then you can start doing." Right. The other stuff you guys do. Um, it was said in a positive way, like just trying yeah, to work sure. it out. Um, sure. But we met with the team, our leadership team, and we, man, we prayed hard. We, we started fasting. <laughs> it's like, we, this, is, this is a major thing because, one, we, are, we were indie, but we are indie, and, like, we don't have the resources of a label. Right. And that was, like, key. Like, man, like, God's doing these awesome things, but – you know, we don't have the resources to pull pull off some of the things that God wants us to do, and that's where labels come in and they help out. And um, and this could be an awesome ride meeting these people. And uh, but we prayed, and then o- overall, out of the conversations and how things panned out, we ultimately were like, you know what, we have to go with what God called us to do. And if there isn't, if a label cannot allow us to uh, fulfill our mandate we just can't do it well i've rarely been as proud of anybody as i was when you guys made that call and um i think that uh it's you're still just at the tip of the journey tell me about how collaborating in community beyond even the community that cross worship is how, how has that spoken into what uh cross worship is and your mandate you know we started just leaning into um those who have the same heart as us and as much as you you know people don't believe it there are people who believe the same thing you believe and you're not the only one um god has given a vision to of similar similar likeness you may get part of a vision and then somebody else five states over gets the other half of it and it's our responsibility as one body to make sure we start, we we intentionally trying to work together. I just all kept continued to pray that, like well, God, you know, unite us with some people who, who are pushing the same vision out, and uh, just out of nowhere, um, really, literally out of nowhere, you know, we get a call. I get a call from like uh, JJ and stuff from Maverick City, like, hey, come down to a writing camp. 
We love for cross worship to be in the room. We love what you guys are doing. We're kind of do the same thing. Come, 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 right with us. Come have some fun with us. Um, it was fun just worshiping with them, and I know their heart um, and writing with them. I know what their what their um, what their vision is. So collaborating with them, and then we have people with worship my um, worship my friends in Colorado. They reached out. Um, the lead Sean. He actually reached out on YouTube. It was in a com in just in the comment section. And it was just a comment in there like, Hey, uh, my name is Sean. I lead worship mob. We'll love to collaborate and just worship together. And I like hit the floor like, What? He doesn't know that I sit and watch their videos every day, wow. <laughs> every morning. So I reached back out like, Hey, I'm Troy. Uh I seen your comment. He's like, Cool, when can you come out here? I think we can come out here this I can come out here this day. He's like, "Oh, okay. Well, bring like five or six people with you from from your community and let's just worship." And literally wow. that's what how it happened. Is that how the Made New project came out? Yeah. Man. Yeah, Made New I think is the third project we've we did. Jeez. And that thing is so good. I was oh. I mean that project is great and I love the improvisational flow to it. It's it definitely doesn't fit into any one genre yeah. at all. Oh yeah, and it's that that people don't understand like it, that process um it's a lot easier than you than you think, but it blows me away how Worship Mob pulls it off every wow. single time. Like we we didn't know what we were singing when we flew out there. For that, wow. for the project we just did, we didn't know what we were singing, didn't know <laughs> what was happening. Um, we flew out there. We spent a day in like prayer and writing, and then the next day, uh, the lead Sean was like, "Hey, so we're gonna do some song shares. Like, who has some songs or working on some songs that we want to record uh, in the next forty-eight hours?" I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> so we're sitting in a room. It's like thirty people, and they're just throwing songs out, sitting, jumping on the keys." And then, you know, he went through, it was like, okay, let's do these like seven songs. And then the next day we spent the day arranging just what the, the formats of the songs. And then the next day, literally the, the recording process is you go, you go, the whole house is filled with cameras and mics and everybody gets an in-ear pack. And he hits record and says, all right, we're going to count in and just, just play it and sing it. Wow. And We'll hit stop when y'all say y'all done. And we did that. We recorded for like four hours. No plan. No. <laughs> and that's how these songs just come about. And that's what a lot of that improv stuff is in there. Because we're like figuring it out as we're singing and just worshiping. And it was very organized, beautiful chaos that I love to be in. It felt like we were just in a jam session and he hit record. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Wow, wow. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Whoa. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's my savior, savior, savior. Yeah, 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 yeah. My savior, savior, savior. Oh, savior, savior, savior. Oh, savior, savior, savior. Minister. Yeah, yeah. My friend, my friend, my friend. That's it. That's it. He's my friend until the end. 
great example of the community nature of what's going on and it, and it also really there's a lot of destruction that's happening because of social media and technology it's decimated the music industry but you guys are finding ways to also use it for some good you're you're not just looking at the comments to feel good about yourself in that moment you're actually pulling on that thread and following up and forming a relationship then the music's out there and i, I love that maybe this conversation is going to inspire people to, to do that kind of collaborating themselves it's it's easier than ever to do that and this generation and gospel oriented music i'm not talking about it has to be traditional black gospel music but gospel inspired music is accessible to a much wider audience than people think oh, yeah. it took someone to show me how uh with technology nowadays how easy it is to collaborate with people um, our first experience going to maverick city you know i you watch a video you think it's like this high-tech situation um when we went to the writing camp man it was a laptop an interface a microphone and like a keyboard and <laughs> and a guy walking around with a camera and I'm like oh it's like just whatever's needed uh, a MacBook yeah. Pro an interface and of course you know it's it's grown yeah. it's literally blown up to a whole other level now right tell me about your new song real quick oh man here we are yeah. that song so we had a writing camp um we started doing these writing camps with churches here in the city we started inviting like our our region together like hey you willing to write um there's a sound that's coming out and we believe we just need to capture it so um man i got a phone call randomly when we were reaching out to people to write randomly by uh derek thomas and he writes with um he, he has some songs with israel holton um real close friends with him bj Pitt, putman and all that stuff and so he reaches out to me. He's like, hey, man, I heard you guys are doing some writing collabs and this and that. Um, I live in Cincinnati, and I don't know the scene really, and I'm just trying to get in. I'm like, oh, what? Yes. <laughs> Once I looked him up, like, man, who is this guy? What? Yes, you need to be here. And I didn't plan who was in a room with each other, um, but I got put in a room with him and, um, and Demarcus Howard. It was just us three. And Demarcus and, is one of the regular uh, cross worship. Yeah, he's guys, one of our our lead regular, worship right. leaders um, and writers. And so he, we were in in my office actually. That's where we wrote it. And I just had a keyboard, and Derek had a guitar. It's it was it, you know, based off the scripture. You know how um, how good it is to dwell together. Uh, you know, I was glad when they said unto me, "Let us go into the house of the Lord." Um, we question, like, man, are people really glad to go to the house of the Lord? Literally getting up out of your bed and going 
to church with your friends and worshiping and hearing a word. And so when we started writing it, we said, let's let's have it sound like what it felt like back then when we were excited, you know, back then. And so it, it has this this mid 90s feel to it um, that's updated to today. Um, and the whole song is just about, you know, here we are standing in your presence again. I was glad when they said it to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. And when we started putting music out, original songs, we started getting criticized uh, just about like, hey, you guys are a CCM band, you're a worship band. I'm like, oh, oh they must haven't heard that the stuff <laughs> we do in like our community nights. And right. so uh, when we were taking the song to production, I said to Darius, I said, man, go all the way there. Go all the way gospel whatever we would do bring the horns in the b3 do any chord changes you're thinking about to throw <laughs> off a musician man as you produce this song uh force people to have to go practice their instrument that's right. what i want when i when they hear it they're gonna have to sit down and literally learn the song for their rehearsal that's great so we have fun we we, we awesome. had fun fun even recording the vocals right you guys have put a lot of videos out there. Your YouTube channel is like a, it's like a college course. I mean, there's a lot of stuff there that people can learn from. What else? Like, how can people follow you and, and, uh, and keep tabs on what, what you guys are doing? Awesome. Well, they can, um, Instagram, uh, at we are cross worship. You can follow us on Instagram, um, and Facebook. You can find us on Facebook. Just type in Cross Worship. You'll find us. Our YouTube channel, just type in Cross Worship. Um, please subscribe to our channel. There's a lot of content coming in the next six six months. Um, we're getting a chance to really get this stuff done and singing some of these songs in front of people. And, and we're recording it. And um, It's great. I, I'm, I'm encouraging everybody to follow you guys. And it's just, I'm, I'm thrilled to be in your corner still. I got a song for you right here. Here we are. Standing in your presence once again Under open heaven we declare The miracles can happen There is no one like you No one like you You're ready Let me see you put your hands together Right here Thanks for popping in and, and talking about this side of the indie soul music uh, sacred pursuit thing or whatever we're going to call it. But uh, <laughs> um, it's great to great to hear from you guys. And, and I got to get you connected with Beach Chapel and Love Ken. And we got to hear some kind of like indie rock uh, 
cross-worship collaboration. I think that'd be amazing. Oh, that that would be awesome. Connect us. Connect us. It will happen. Well, thanks for stopping by, Troy. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. We'll be right back to my conversation with Lovekin and Adam after this. Thank you, Douglas, Paul, Christopher, Marjorie, Cannon, Dennis, Leland, John, Ben, Harry, Jochen, and Bob, our newest Patreon members. Our patrons support this show with monthly donations of $5, $10, or $20, and that means so much here. In return, they get early access to episodes, and they get high-quality lossless WAV files of each episode that they can download. You can find out more about becoming a Patreon member by visiting patreon.com slash truetunes or finding the link on the show notes page. Okay, back to my chat with Beach Chapel and Lovekin. Sunday, see the sunrise, wide awake, quiet all night Never thought that I'd come this far, but it wasn't without your grace 24 and I had my plans, it was her and I, but it's history, man I had all my eggs in one basket, and I was standing there with that dream in a casket Crying out in the rain, holding my Bible with a fist full of pain Pulling me up was a line that I read that day, the line that I read that day Hey. Plans for you. I got a future and a hope for you. Just lean back in my arms. Just lean back in my arms. And I know where you've been. I'm going to throw out a, just a, a general philosophical, theological even question to you guys. Um, do you ever sit and wonder or think about what the purpose of music is? Why do you suppose we even have music? to participate in and create and enjoy. I think it's just something beautiful that's come from God's character. And it makes me love him more because it's come from him. To use that to glorify him is awesome. And we can't see it. And we know it's there. And it's beautiful. And it brings communities together. And I think that's who God is. I really do think it's it's mainly for community. I mean, you go to a, a sold-out show, you're all singing one song, and you're unified in that song, and you're looking at all these people you've never met, and they're stoked on the sounds and the melody, and everyone knows every word, and it's just, that's community. I think mm-hmm. that's so awesome to see that, and I've felt that at shows. I think that's why shows are still a thing Mm -hmm. um there's holiness in community that's intimate and there's holiness in community that's corporate and music i think is part of that holiness both at scale in the congregational level and if it's just people in a in a home sitting in a room looking at each other's faces and i love that your group your group of friends have been able to redefine success not as just that that large scale sold out show but also the people in the van 
driving to people's homes and doing concerts where they can actually see everybody's faces. That's inspiring to me because that's something we've been talking about for years. We have to, we have to understand success differently. And I think you're dead on that music is, is about community, but community is about both the small numbers and the big numbers. Sometimes we have to realize that the holiest moments often happen just in really, really small things. But what do you think, Stephen? Have you ever thought about kind of why music is even here and what it, what purposes it might fill for us? Yeah, um, I think it's a a beautiful way of relaying stories and helping people to to think and for creating something that helps people to feel understood. You know, I like Adam's point about community. I think that that is as well. You know, the ability to sing a song together uh, with people, whether many or few, um, to partake in this shared experience, um, I think is, is a beautiful thing. Because I'm just trying to think, like, what other, what other things do we have if we take music out of the picture that, that can really truly do that, you know? Music, sitting down, playing songs, singing songs together, that's, that's a very unique experience that I feel that, uh, that our world really needs, you know, and that it will always need, and that it, al- it always has needed, you know. Um, it is a gift, and it is a uh, it is a gift to us. Music is, you know, from from the Lord, and and really a reflection of Him. And um, I think in its in its truest form, it was meant to bring people together and to create goodness. <laughs> It seems to me one of the things that, that music has helped in my life is to help me become a discerner, to help me learn how to, I mean, just on the level of musical discernment, you're kind of learning what you like and what you don't like and how to tell good music from not so good music, a good performance from not, a, you know, kind of a phoned in performance or good production from, you know, just cheesy samples that have been looped over, you know. Right, right. Um, we might have missed one of the most important aspects of what music was given to us for, and that's to, to inspire us to be thinkers and deep feelers and empathizers and and so um i encourage you guys as you're growing and as you're evolving to be thinking about that as well like what does discernment look like and i think the same question goes for worship if we're not asking ourselves what is worship about you know is it just a a opening music for the pastor (laughs) is it just or is it is it the whole of our time? Is it everything we do under the gaze of God is worship? Like, um, if we're not asking ourselves those questions, then I think we're probably leaving, we're probably missing the boat. So good. Um, so what's next for you guys? Where would you like to see this scene that you are both participating in and, you know, I, I would say helping to lead? Where would you like to see this go from here? Where are we going, Adam? I think, I think that this these younger generations are wanting to see art expressed genuinely. I don't think they've seen it in the church really. I think given that these generations want more genuine people creating arts, I, th- uh, I think that these artists are going to, are going to get a lot bigger in, in the, in the coming years. And I think that's what God's kind of setting up right now. I think that's why we're able to connect so quickly and multiply. So, so often. What about you, Steven? I would love to see more 
young artists, young talented artists feel like, you know, they have opportunities to plug into the community and, and be encouraged in what they're doing. I want to see us really step into that in a new level um, in, in the churches as Christians who are creating. Um, and, you know, you said it earlier in the podcast, um, John, the, the uniqueness of our time and being able to connect with people across, across on the other side of the world. I think really seeing that and really taking advantage of that. I get overwhelmed every Friday uh, at, at how amazing some of these new releases are that are that are coming out from from people in in the underground side the people who aren't getting necessarily the big features on the top christian playlists but people who are making such important art and they're letting their voices sing out into this world that needs it, it it's it's like not about career building it's about actually seeing the seriousness that as we're called to create and be artists we have a duty to to create and to sing out into this world what what God is putting on our hearts to sing out, and and I think uh, I just want to see more and more artists do that and feel encouraged to do that and feel encouraged and and have opportunities to do that in community. What can the community do to support you and other others like you? What can our generation do? This is all you, Stephen. We need more churches and venues and places to like open their doors to to allow us to come in and and put nights on and play music and you know it's tough i mean adam and i both talk about this together how it's hard it's hard to uh to be an indie artist and for us i think we just feel like it's it is important and so we sense the importance in it and and sometimes it feels like it it's it's a it's a heavy pull on to 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 get people to see that but um you know, I think sewing into, you know, what we're doing, the ministries, Beach Chapel, I mean, Beach Chapel sessions and what Adam's doing with Beach Chapel sessions, going out to the piers and, and, and getting artists together in community to play at the end of the piers. And, you know, they've been doing this now for a long time and, um, you know, but it takes resources to put those things on. It takes finances. And so, um, that's great. I think a lot of it's like op- being open to different forms of ministry that maybe haven't been tried out before. And hmm. often I see like a, uh, a disconnect between trusting the younger generations to, to share the gospel and also realizing that younger people sharing the gospel that know Jesus are going to use different types of conduit to share the gospel because they know the culture. I remember you just told me that you, you've actually been using some Natalie Bergman music as worship songs at local churches, haven't you, Adam? And yes. And maybe yeah. sometimes that works. And sometimes people are like, Hey, can't you sing something more like predictable or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> some people are more open to the kind of new sounds and some aren't. Yeah. It depends on the church and, uh, right. And, you know, it's the same stuff that the Jesus music artists were facing 50 years ago. Same stuff that the Worship Together artists were facing 20 years ago. You know, so. Well, thank you guys for being here with us. This this has been great. And thanks for taking us on a tour of your your friends and, and the music that's moving you. And I'm really looking forward to introducing that to a lot of other people. Hope to see you on the road. And um, 
maybe we could do something here in Nashville when you get here and get a bunch yeah. of people together and make some noise. Sounds awesome, John. Thank you so much. As I pull out my little soapbox to wrap this up, I have to admit how happy I am to be schooled by a group of artists that are my kids' age. There has been a lot of talk lately, obviously, about the Jesus movement in the 60s and the music that flowed from that revolution. We've also been comparing that early stuff with the more organized and professional music that coalesced around the Christian music industry once that movement turned into a market. I'll admit, I can become quite critical of that market, especially when I see how it has relegated so many of the best artists, people like Terry Scott Taylor, Randy Stonehill, Paul Clark, Phil Keggy, and others, to margins far too small to even be viable. But one thing I have come to understand is that the industry can only produce what the market demands, and when it comes to the market for Christian music, that market, namely the church, has simply not demanded great art from mature, experienced veterans alongside young, hungry, experimental artists who are coming from diverse cultures and experiences. Among other reasons, that is probably linked to the fact that for many in that audience, the music they are being offered is simply an excuse to deliver a message, and that message has become more about reinforcing a cultural identity than about picking up a cross, surrendering, being the body of Christ, stepping into mysteries that confound us, and putting the needs of others ahead of our own. That is a hard message, and while it is the gospel, hard messages are rarely marketable. But something interesting could be happening with this next generation. Might these young voices be in the process of both sparking and reflecting a new movement? Is a new audience emerging? When they roll into town on their bus, whether literally or virtually, will we show up? Will they find the support they need, be it in the form of finances, mentorship, moral support, theological instruction, friendship, or even things like lodging and food? Will the fans of yesterday's Jesus music or yesterday's contemporary gospel music welcome today's young artists into their sanctuaries, their parks, their theaters, or their homes? Or will they want more of the same, more of what they hear on the radio, more of the big brands? Will they balk when these kids show up with their messy faith, their difficult questions, and their challenging tunes, or will they sit, listen, and learn? I guess, again, it comes down to whether we see music primarily as a product to be consumed or a language to be learned, and frankly, whether we see Jesus, love personified as our Lord and example, or merely a lifestyle brand with which we identify. Maybe these kids will be the ones who can actually reach the hardest market of all, the church. And maybe this new generation of songs will help us all realize that Jesus never stopped moving. Okay, I'm climbing off my soapbox for now. That is going to do it for this episode of the True Tunes Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please take a minute to tell your friends and family about the show. One thing you might not know, but the ratings and reviews you post at Apple actually get picked up on other sites, and that can make a big difference in how others discover the show. 
I also want to thank my co-producer Bruce A. Brown for his awesome work on the show, and thanks to Phil Keggy and Rex Paul for our theme song. You'll find a complete list of all of the songs used on this episode on the show notes page at truetunes.com. Don't forget to sign up on the email list. Find us on Facebook at TrueTunes Now. The contents of the podcast are protected by U.S. copyright law and are the intellectual property of Gyroscope Productions with the exception of songs or clips that are from previously copywritten materials. Everything on this episode is used by permission or under fair use provisions. This program is intended for the private use of our listening audience. Gyroscope Productions can be reached at JJT at TrueTunes.com or P.O. Box 60401, Nashville, Tennessee 37206. Until next time, this is JJT inviting you to listen for that new song you've been hungering for and sing along. It's out there. Peace. Cool beans.